All right, while they're um, playing with that in the back, I want to remind us of what we did last week. Last week, there it is. Okay. Last week, we, we said that um, we want to exchange the gross life for the good life. The gross life is gross. And we said, I think we talked about kids and bibs and, you know, bibs are, bibs are evidence that it's all about me and it gets messy when it's all about me. So that was one. And then I um, pulled out the apron as kind of the counter to that. And while you may not agree with me that the good life includes an apron, okay, um, it does give you the imagery of serving uh, others, okay? And we get to do that. That's not something we have to do. That's something we get to do when we're in Christ. And so that I'm going to exchange the gross life, which is all about serving myself, and I'm going to put on the good life, which is all about serving others. It's not about me, okay? And, and we said that we want to do that. We want to take off and put on. And when we looked at uh, Colossians 3, we saw that Paul was talking about taking off and putting on, and he was using that, that language. Well, today we're going to continue that. It's kind of part two, if you will, of that. Um, and but what we're going to do today is we're going to focus on how do you do that? How do I put on Christ in such a way that my, my actions, my attitudes will change um, and, and will be more like what Jesus would do if he were in my shoes? So with that, um, I want to pray. I'll re- I want to read this passage. I want to pray, and then um, we're going to dive in. Let's pray. Uh, let's read, and then we'll pray. I'm going I'm to read the same verses that that um, Anna read. Anna already made me look bad. She preached the whole message in 60 seconds. So, um, yeah. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of the body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with great gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Lord God, as we step into this time of hearing from you, Lord, it's not like it's just started. Lord, we've been hearing from you through song. We've been hearing from you through other words of other folks, through prayers. And Lord, just the, the smiles as you walk in this room and in this building. God, I'm so grateful um, that that you work through the entire body of Christ to accomplish what you want to do. And while none of us feels qualified or worthy, you still choose to bless us to be a blessing. Thank you. Thank you for that. Lord, it is my prayer as I do my small part that you would take these words and that you would make something out of them that's useful and that blesses all who hear but not just a blessing that we might feel good about ourselves, that we would hear from God and then be challenged and inspired to do what you tell us to do. Because it's not easy, and we can't do it without you. So we ask you to help us do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, the latest headline I saw on BBC was that uh, apparently um, President Putin of Russia has put his nuclear forces on special alert. <laughs> Nothing like ratcheting up the negotiation pressure. 
Um, we, have serious, we have serious issues happening in our world today, another war in Europe, um, and it seems like we can't avoid those ourselves very well. And, and the reality is that this impacts everything that we do, although we may not be feeling it yet, although you may be feeling it, even though you may not have anything physically, practically happening right now. Gas prices are going up. That may be the only inkling we have so far, but I suspect that uh, if things continue to progress, that we'll continue to see things that will impact us. But again, we're still so far from it. It's kind of hard to believe it's really happening. I mean, we really haven't ever had anyone really invade our country. Um, short of 9-11 and Pearl Harbor, we've been so isolated from that mindset, and even that a long time ago. But the temptation is still there. The temptation to be afraid. I mean, just the fact that they've ramped up their, special, their nuclear forces to special alert, which is their highest level of nuclear alert, by the way, that gets my attention. I don't know about you, but it's like, okay, those can go wherever they want them to go, and they have more than one. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, um, where am I? What am I feeling? How am I going to respond to this? And you're doing the same thing, whether you're doing it consciously or not. And what we're talking about today relates to this. It doesn't just relate to this. It relates to any area of life. Because what Paul is trying to help us do is he's trying to help us know how to live life in this crazy world without being caught up in the mess that is this world. Okay? He knows that we live in a world of mess. And he knows that there's a way to rise above that, to live above our circumstances. So last week we said that, you, the, that we wanted to exchange the bib, so to speak, for the apron. That we want to exchange and put off those ways that were described in verses 5 and 6. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly na- nature. Put off things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves, also rid yourselves, of all such things such as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self, the bib, and its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed, that's the apron, in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, circum, uh, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And then it, we, it continues, therefore, as God's chosen people, describing us and reminding us who we are, and we're going to go back there again. And then he says, you're holy and dearly loved, okay? You are beloved. You may not feel loved. You may not feel lovely, but that's how you feel. That's not truth. You are loved, you are beloved, and not just by people, and maybe not by people, but you are beloved by your creator. You are always beloved to him. Clothe yourselves in light of that truth with the garment that communicates to yourself, if no one else, that I am loved. Therefore, I'm valued. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on the ultimate garment, right? Put on love. 
which binds them all together in perfect dignity. And then we get to today, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So what I want to do is just kind of walk through this, these three verses, and uh, let's just do it a little at a time. All right. Let's do this. Okay. All right. Is that working? All right. So let's start with the first word, let. Now, it doesn't, he, he is not saying make, create, muster. He's not saying any of those words. He's saying let. Let the peace of Christ rule. Which implies something that I think we miss. I know I do. It implies it's already there. I don't have to create this. I don't have to muster this up. I don't have to go find it and, and try, try, try. I just have to let it happen. I have to let what is already true about me happen. If I'm in Christ, then the peace of God, the peace of Christ, dwells in me. Now, we want peace, right? I mean, even now, even now we want, right, we want peace in Ukraine, and there's probably other places in the world that we want peace as well, okay? But we're talking about more than just the absence of conflict. When we define peace as the Bible defines peace, it's a wholehearted, wholly impactful sense of no matter what happens to me, I'm good because I know who's got me and I know where I'm going. I know that the worst this world can deal out to me is just a blip on the radar. If I get pulverized by a nuclear missile today, I stand in the presence of Almighty Creator, my God and Savior, okay? And if I have that assurance, that brings peace. Temptation, not peace, right? We're tempted to feel what we feel, and it's usually fear, and it manifests. Sometimes it's anger. There's all these other emotions, but anger and fear are usually kind of the base of what we're talking about. And so he starts right here, let the peace of Christ. Now, I want you to write this verse down, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And I want you to, your, your part of your homework is to memorize these verses, okay? Unless you don't ever worry about being at peace. If you don't ever stress or if you're never anxious about anything, you get an exemption. You don't have to memorize this verse. But I had to learn it. And just to show, show you that I've already done this, I want you um, to hear this verse and why this verse is so helpful when you feel stressed or distressed or anxious. Paul writes in Philippians 4, he says, do not be anxious about anything. And we said in parentheses, easy for you to say. No, he was in jail when he wrote that. He was in prison for his faith. So let me start again. Do not be anxious about anything except your kids. It doesn't say that except your kids part. I'm sorry, sorry, let me start over. Do not be anxious about anything except your job. No, 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 I'm sorry. I, I, keeps jumping. Uh, let, me, let me try to, I don't quite have it memorized right. Do not be anxious about anything, ah, but in everything except marriage. Wait a minute. I keep, ah, these things keep happening. I'm sorry. I, they just jump in. Maybe that's a, a problem for me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, petition being like intercessory prayer, praying for someone else, praying for yourself, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, minus the turkey, 
Okay? With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That would be your prayer request. That would be the concerns, the worries, the anxieties you're tempting to feel. Take them all and lay them at the foot of the cross. Lay them at the feet of Jesus. Present your requests to God. And then it tells you, that here's the reason you do that. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, in other words... The thing that you're worried about is going to be dissolved by the peace, and then he defines that peace. That peace is that which tra uh, transcends all understanding and blows your mind. Paul could have said, maybe that's the message translation, I don't know, blows your mind. Mind-blowing peace that surpasses all understanding, and it will do what? It will post centuries, soldiers at your heart and your mind, and guard you against the temptation to worry pretty cool that was my two-minute sermon Anna okay that's the best I got okay but I digress okay so let the peace of Christ the peace of God just described in Philippians 4 right there let the peace of Christ rule okay and so I'm gonna draw a little crown there over rule rule reign Lord over let peace um, the peace of Christ, that is the glory of God in that area, rule over your heart and your mind. Let that, let that protect and rule you when you're tempted to not walk in peace. Okay? And when you and I don't walk in peace, we tend to take it out on other people, right? So they're going, yeah, pray that prayer. We really would appreciate if you would pray that prayer. And, and we would say the same for them because they have their moments too when they have trouble right? We all do. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Why the hearts? That's the Bible. The New Testament is usually talking about the, that's the place, the center of your emotions, your thinking, and your will, okay? Um, in older translations, it talks about it's like let the peace of Christ rule in your bowels. That sounds so romantic, doesn't it? Like, whoa, but it's, what is it trying to get at? at? Really at the heart of who you are. Really, at, if you had to describe yourself without your body, it's like, who am I? That, that part of you is where you want that peace to rule. And so that's what he's saying. That's what verse say, says, verse 15 says. Since, and then he just kind of says, you're called to this. Look at the rest of the verse. Since as members of one body, this, this is uh, no extra charge for this, members, membership. Wow, membership's not in the Bible. It's nowhere in the Bible. Just moving right along. I'm not going to preach that. Sermon. Since as members of one body, that's the church. You were called to peace. You and I are called to peace. We're called to be peacemakers. We're called to walk in peace. Okay? You might defend somebody else. Jesus wasn't afraid to, to help and defend other people, but I don't ever see Jesus defending himself. Okay? I think he says something about turning the cheek, other cheek. And then it fin finishes with this. Be thankful. Coming back to that. Verse 16. So when, what is our main, uh, our bottom line today is this, that we want to embrace, if we want to move from the gross life to the good life, we want to embrace three things. And the first thing is the peace of God. Okay, the second thing is the word of God. Okay, verse 16, let the message of Christ, which is another way of saying the word of God, the message of Christ, again, there's that word let. Okay, the message of Christ is there. Why? Because the spirit of Christ is there. 
You see, when you and I trust Christ, if we've trusted Christ and there's been a true conversion, okay, there's been, the Bible uses the word regeneration, spiritual regeneration, Titus 3, 5, that God spiritually regenerates us. Um, If you want to use the language of Ephesians 2, we were dead, now we're alive, okay? When that happens, which means you've truly trusted Christ and have become a follower of Christ, when that happens, that the Spirit of God, we are immersed in his Spirit. We are baptized spiritually into his Spirit. I'm not talking about the water baptisms, it's symbolic. I'm talking about you are actually immersed into Christ's Spirit himself, okay? It's a spiritual thing that happens. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how else to, say, to describe it other than to say it fills you. I mean, just like if you took, if I took a baby doll and I put it in a tank of water and just pushed it under until it became saturated and I pull it out and it's saturated with water. God takes us and saturates us with his spirit. Spirit of Christ, spirit of God, Holy Spirit, all the same. Okay, maybe even Holy Ghost for some of you that still like to use that phrase, right? It's a little creepy to me, but okay, I get it. All of that, we are saturated with that. Well, what comes with the Holy Spirit is the attributes of God that are appropriate for a creature of Christ, okay? So the peace of God is one of those things. The message of God is another one of those things. His holiness, his power, his presence that's comforting to us, that means why we don't need to be afraid, and on and on and on I could go on the attributes that are there. But we get those. That's part of the deal, right? When you're born again, the birthday party starts with the receiving of that gift, the Holy Spirit, and he is God, all right? I know it sounds strange. I know, like, wait a minute, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three, three, I thought it was one God. It is one God, but he expresses himself. He reveals himself in different ways to try to help us, the ant trying to understand the internet, trying to help us understand who he is a little bit better. And so he just uses these things that are imperfect analogies to help us understand who he is. But let this message of Christ, the word of God, dwell among you, dwell. Okay, I'm gonna draw a little house here because that's what's happening. This Holy Spirit lives in us, okay? There's no temple for God to dwell in that's made of bricks and mortar because the temple now is the people of God. That's where he lives. He lives in us, okay? And he moves with us. He pitches his tent in our hearts, okay? Which is why I like to draw my little tent in my Bible margin to remind me that God camps, okay? Guys, we're going camping in April. Okay, so let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, richly. When you guys and and I think of richly, we do this, right? We just cha-ching, okay, bring it, I'm ready. Abundance, uh, abundance, abundance. But what I want, you know, when we think of the good life in America, we think of the American dream, and I want to own my own home, and I want to have, you know, 2.5 kids and a dog and a cat and a house with a, a mortgage, and we don't really want the mortgage, but you know what I'm saying. And we tend to think of that's the ultimate. Right? But I want to spare you of settling for that, okay? I want you to think bigger. I want you to think greater, grander, richer, because God has so much more for you than that. On the scale of what he has for you, that's barely scratching the surface. Remember, we're talking about a God who paves the streets of heaven with gold. That's how much gold is worth in heaven. It's like, well, we need asphalt. I mean, we need something for the streets. Well, let's use gold because that's not worth much richly right he has so much more and we settle i settle let the message of christ dwell among you richly as you do something you're busy doing something what are you and i busy doing we're teaching 
We're teaching and admonishing one another. Now, these fra- this phrase, one another, is all over the New Testament. Okay? Some translations say each other, and it just depends on the context. But there's, there's dozens of examples of different things that you and I are supposed to do together. This is a strong argument for why uh, people who are Christians and who isolate themselves are, are living paradox. Because Christianity was never meant to be lived in isolation. That doesn't mean that we don't take time to, to, um, to pull away and, and silence and solitude. It's a, a huge spiritual discipline. I highly recommend it. But we don't live there. Okay? But we go there to kind of reset. Okay? But, but we're meant to live in community. Okay? And I get it. When things aren't going well, we tend to want to pull back. Just re- recognize that for what it is. That's a temptation. I don't want to talk about it. Just pray for me. I have an unspoken. I get it. I understand. There's this, I've been burned by telling too much, and then people, you know, blab. I get it. Just remember there's a cost when you don't. When you don't allow people to know enough to pray for you, to know what's really going on, and they don't need to know details to pray for you with, the, with that. But there's a balance, right, of privacy, and then there's, you know, I don't want people to know. Okay? I mean, some of these one another's are hard. Pray for one another, encourage one another, give to one another, confess your sins to one another. Oh, can we leave that one off? Because I don't really like that one. Teach and admonish one another is one of those many that we can't do by ourselves. We have to do it with other people. And these are really hard to do when you're sitting in rows, aren't they? You really need to be sitting in circles. Whether it's in a a classroom or in a home or in a park or in a, a cafe or on a commuter train. It doesn't matter. As long as you can sit in circles and, and talk to each other and everybody has a voice, there's room for conversation, then you can start practicing the one another's. And that's what this one's here for. And this one is very specific. It's, it's um, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Okay, God's word is full of wisdom. All wisdom is God's wisdom. Let me rephrase that. Let me, let me clarify that. Scripture teaches there's two kinds of wisdom. The scriptures teach that there's God's wisdom and there's worldly wisdom, the ways of the world, okay? All right, and they're not the same. I'll just leave it at that. I think you know what I mean, that they are not the same in the sense that there's two kinds of wisdom, and, one, and God's wisdom is the one that is always best, okay? Um, but we're going to teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, but look at the vehicle. The vehicle's music. Not necessarily with instruments, although instruments are an awesome ad. Music can be just voices. can even be voices that are just making sounds. But the point here is, watch what's happening here. All right, it's through three, three, three vehicles, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Some translations say spiritual songs, and there are other translations there. So psalms, hymns. And songs, and I, I don't think that there's a whole. I don't think anybody really knows exactly what all three of these mean. But basically, basically I think this is what they're saying. So the Psalms, I think, is pretty straightforward. Paul is referring to the the Hebrew Bible, the Book of Psalms, which is a book of Psalms, songs, spiritual songs, songs of praise, songs of thanksgiving, songs of lament, 
songs of celebration, songs that were sung on the way to the festivals, all kinds of psalms. And these psalms had an effect on people that went beyond just, hey, this is a cool song, right? This is songs that teach and admonish, right? Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, he said, all scripture is God-breathed from the mouth of God. And it's profitable. That means it's worth something. It's valuable. It's extremely profitable for what? For teaching and train, I'm sorry, for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Okay? And so are the Psalms. And, and, And so are songs to be used. Psalms, hymns, songs, at the end of the day, all of these are using scripture or alluding to things that scripture say. Some of them are planned and scripted and there's bars of music and notes and there's orchestra pieces and all these arrangements and some of them are literally spontaneously created as worship is happening because God lays it on someone's heart. Right? You see those extremes, right? Spontaneous, unplanned, planned, beautifully orchestrated and arranged and everything in between. Okay, the point is this. God has valued his word so much that he has made a way for us to beautify it at another dimension, at another level that we know is powerful, but we don't like, we don't always necessarily make the connection. You just go to a concert, it's some, one of these major concerts that, that goes around today, you know, a U2 concert, or um, we were talking about Billy Joel and, and uh, uh, Elton John doing the concert together that they do, and I'm just like, that would just be amazing, or just think of some of the biggest rock stars today, um, or, or musicians today, I'm sorry, I'm showing my biases, but, but you, get, you get what I'm saying, right? The biggest concerts, when people show up to the concert, You do not have to tell them to get excited. You do not have to tell them to express themselves. You do not have to say, take your hands out of your pocket and clap your hands. You don't have to do any of that. Why? Because the music moves you. It's inspiring. It's it's, it's encouraging. It's not always, but it it invigorates and inspires and moves and motivates people to, to respond with a full body experience. Okay? And, and then you take that and you start doing that with songs that have deep, deep, rich, eternal value. And now you've got people on the floor with their faces on the floor worshiping or their hands stretched out or their tears in their face. And, and it's not because they're kind of trying to make it look good for the guy next to them. It's because they, they can't, right? I can't help it. There's no pretense. There's no, I don't care what you think. You know, when I'm at the football game, if I'm going to a Clemson game, I promise you, I don't worry as much about the person next to me because I'm never going to see them again, right? And so if I get excited, I'm jumping up and down and I'm high-fiving people I've never met. I promise I don't kiss anybody I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? I get excited and I get into it because why we scored a stupid touchdown. So, but I'm excited. I'm into it full body, right? And, and so when we come and, and we gather, the purpose of singing is so much more than just singing, Right? And it's more than just going to a concert, which is just go and enjoy. It's engaging you and me in the words that transform the heart and the mind. The words that bring the peace that surpasses all understanding and all the other benefits that come with the Spirit of God. And music is such a powerful medium. Why else would we spend so much money on, on CDs? And now those are gone. Now Spotify and all the different streaming applications that we can use to listen to music and, and pay money. 
Because it moves us. It encourages us when we're down. It inspires us when we need inspiration. It brings us down when we need to calm and study. It's powerful. And God created it. God, God called out the first instrument makers to create instruments. God used instruments in church. Don't tell primitive Baptists. They don't know that part. But God created instruments to use with music. God bless them. Right? So I, I wish I could give the whole time to this because music is so important. Best example I can see, and this is not a great example, but it's a really good example. In, in the church that we, are, we came from 15 plus years ago, um, our kids were all young. Our oldest was, I guess she was in eighth or ninth grade when we, I guess ninth grade when we moved here. But they had all grown up in children's choirs, right? And, and what do they do in children's choirs? They teach them songs and then they, you know, march them out on the stage and they sing and mom and dad are so proud and taking pictures, right? And it's kind of a performance thing. And it always bugged me that it felt like it was all about the kids. And so I'm like, you know, we call it worship, but they're not, re- are they really worshiping? Come on. And so I had this kind of cynical attitude. And then I went, I happened to be listening in on a practice and the, and the, teach, the leaders of, were, were teaching them the song. And then they stopped the practice and they said, okay, now, what is that, that that you just sung, what does that mean? And they began to unpack what they were singing and made them think about what they were singing. And why would you sing that? And, and how does that impact you? And can it be that maybe the songs you sing might impact your grandparents who would never come to church unless their grandkid was singing? You see? Worship is life-changing, right? What do you and I sing to during the week? I think that has a lot to say about our worship, right? I mean, I can dial up some tunes that I remember listening to in high school, and I still catch myself blushing when I finally hear the words for the first time, and i like, got to take that one off my Spotify playlist (laughs) because now I know what they said. And you realize words matter. Paul is saying that these songs that God has, this music thing that he's invented is designed to teach and admonish people towards Christ and away from self. Okay? That's the purpose. It's to bring him glory as we think about him and what he's done for us and what he's doing in and through us. So if you want to exchange the gross life for the good life, then we embrace the peace of God. Oh, with gratitude, I have to, I meant to come back to that, and we embrace the word of God, the message of Christ. Oh, look at that, with gratitude. There it is again. I'm starting to see a pattern here. Um, let, me, let me make one more comment on this message of Christ. The message of Christ, the message of Christ is more than ABC, admit, believe, and confess, okay? It's so much more than that so-called definition of the gospel. But it's also, it's as big as the whole biblical narrative. Creation, God created, everything was good. The fall, we took it and we gave God the finger. And then redemption, Christ, uh, he made it possible for us to be restored to him and now he's restoring all things. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That's the outline of the story of God, the macro story of God, the meta-narrative of God from Genesis to Revelation. And so the message of Christ, it it runs from cover to cover of the Bible. But it also can be boiled down very simply that 
the bad news and the good news. We're, sep- we born, we're born separated from God. We need a Savior, and we can't rescue ourselves. And God sent someone to take, to, to take on and rescue us so that we could be freed and delivered and restored. Okay? And he's still in that process. And he will finish that process one day. The best is yet to come, right? And, and he uses stuff like music coupled with the message of Christ, all wisdom, to say, you got no excuse. I'm giving you all that you need. I'm giving you the word of God. I'm giving you the spirit of God. I'm surrounding you with the people of God so that you'll become like the son of God. Put on Christ. Put on that apron. Put on the good life. And then he finishes with verse 17. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, that kind of covers everything, right? Is there anything that doesn't fall under whatever? And I don't mean whatever. I mean whatever in the world that you say or do, okay? Do it. That's the first part that you need to do it. And the second part is how to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, remembering that Lord is another word for king, master, sovereign. Okay, to make it very clear, we're not talking about just any, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the risen Christ. Okay, he came, he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. That Jesus, okay, that Lord Jesus, and we, we come and we live in such a way that we do that. Now, here's the key here. This is telling us something about ourselves, okay? It tells us who God is. It tells us what he's done, and then it tells us who we are in light of what he is, what he, who he is and what he's done. Identity, okay? Oh, look at that. Giving thanks. There it is again. They're all connected. There's three times, three verses, same word, three times, repetition. Guys, what does that mean? Guys, guys, help me here. Guys, I it mean, it's important, right? And he expects guys to be reading, so he has to say it three times. Three times, thankful with gratitude, giving thanks, right? We'll talk about that more tonight. Giving thanks to God, the Father, through him, through Jesus, Okay? All right, so here we have it. How do, I, how do I move from the gross life to the good life? I do it by embracing the peace of God with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. I embrace the word of God with thanksgiving. And I do it as a person of God, a son or a daughter of God with thanksgiving. Okay? Now, that sounds all great, and you're like, okay, so, okay, what do I do with that? How do I start? And I, that's a fair question, I think. And so, I, because we see three thanks, we see three verses, I'm going to give you something that's very simple to remember, I think. Maybe you might start your day every single day with three things that you're thankful for. Maybe just thanks, Lord, for list three things. Maybe tell somebody else. You say, well, that's, that's easy. I can do that. Yeah, let's see if you, how good you are at that, right? Because it is not easy to do. The enemy will discourage you from doing it because there's real power in that. And we probably look at it, and, we, and it's real easy to look at that and go, that's not going to make a difference. Try it. Say three things you're thankful for every single day 
for the rest of your life. Just make it a way of life. It's not going to hurt you. But it will transform your perspective on everything. Even if you never trust God, even if you don't buy any of this other stuff, just live grateful and see if it doesn't affect your attitude. Okay? But if you're in Christ, you talk about, you talk about having a, a leverage, a bar of le- leverage. They say leverage in England. Leverage. Thanksgiving is that bar that you can pry up the challenges in life and embrace. Okay? So, peace of God with thanksgiving. Word of God with thanksgiving. Okay? And she already, and Anna, Anna already, right? Read your Bible. Hello? I've never said that before last, since last Sunday. Because it matters. It makes all the difference. So you've heard from God. I think if you're honest and you've been paying attention, you've heard from God. So we always have two questions we want to ask whenever we've set through a, a sermon, a, a study, or whatever. What is God saying to me? Well, you've heard from God, and, and I'm not going to tell you what you've heard from God because you might have heard something very different than what I said. It may have nothing to do with what I said. But the, the second question is the game changer. What are you going to do about it? Because to hear from God and to do nothing is foolish. The Bible said it. Jesus said it. I'm just quoting. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. The foolish man built his house on sand. He heard the word, but he didn't do what it says. What are you going to do about what God just told you to do? And if you didn't take notes, maybe you'll do that next time. Let's pray. Lord, I I thank you for for speaking to me, to us. We really don't have a good excuse to not do what you tell us to do. And Lord, you've given it to us in such a way that it's really hard to, to see it as anything other than straight from our creator. But the hard part is the courage and the discipline to follow through and do something about it. But Lord, you right now, are, you're working on our hearts, or even right now, to surrender parts of our lives. And I pray, God, that you would help us do that, that you would help us get to that place of surrender. In Jesus' name. So I'm actually going to um, tell one more story as I close and as we prepare um, to celebrate Lord's Supper. So I want you to imagine, I've told this, it's been a long time since I've told this, used this illustration. I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine that you invited me to dinner and I've come in and you've welcomed me into your home and then you've said, in essence, you've said something like this. You said, um, so I've got a few more things in the kitchen to take care of and then, you know, then we'll eat, make yourself at home. And then you go off to the kitchen and I'm left in the den and I'm like, okay. They said, make myself at home. And so I start rearranging furniture. I move this lamp and I move the, but here's what I would probably do if I really wanted to. I would take the biggest, most comfortable chair in the room and I would shove it over in front of the TV. It's pretty close. 
I would find an end table and I would slide an end table over and some coasters and a lamp and I, I mean so that I can take in the best whatever game is on and I will have a place for my drink and my food and I'm making myself at home am I not am I is the, didn't isn't that what they said right I'm have I done anything wrong have I missed something and then you come back in or that person comes back in and they and they look at and they go what are you doing and of course I would look at them with total innocence and say well you told me to make myself at home well I didn't mean I meant make yourself at home within reason right and that's what we mean when we use that expression well so here's the thing when we sing I surrender all and I have no idea what song is next I doubt it's that song but do we sing it I surrender all within reason because I know I do that So when I talk about the good life, I realize that you're, you're hearing this and you're going, it's not really the good life because the good life has dollar signs attached to it. And what Paul and what God is calling us to is so much more than that. But it would be real easy to walk out of here and go, yeah, I'm going to do that within reason. And I just want to spare you from that. Don't settle. Don't settle. 